Good morning, Living Stones Church, and we want to welcome all of you that are joining us uh, via YouTube or live stream or however you're hearing this broadcast today. I want to just read a little bit from Psalm 123 this morning. I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven, as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their masters, the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us. Lord, I just pray today that that would truly be the expression of our heart, that we're seeking you, Lord. And as one translation says, have favor on us or have mercy on us. May you show us your tender kindnesses, Lord. May you hear our cry, Father. May you bring a, new, uh, a, a sense of normalcy back into our lives, Lord. We pray today for those who have endured so much during these months. Some have suffered. Some have even perished. Many have been challenged. Many are struggling emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially, and some even spiritually. So, Father, I pray today that you would hear the cry of your people's hearts that you would show us mercy and favor in these days to come, Lord. And we thank you for that. Hear our cry, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the last uh, number of weeks, many people have communicated their deep appreciation for the fact that we can stream these services and that you're receiving uh, these opportunities to hear the word of God, to worship together. But I want to just share a little bit of background story. And, you know, I, I love that Paul Harvey has this. And now here's the rest of the story. Uh, a number of months ago, our bookkeeper communicated to me, and I have no idea who this person is, but she shared the story. And what many of you may not be aware of is that for a couple of years, we've been discussing doing streaming in our church. And, and finally, uh, as a leadership team, we'd made a decision, yes, we're going to do this. And we, we uh, made an appeal to our congregation to give resources towards paying for this idea of streaming our services beyond our local congregation. And so there was an individual in our church who felt deeply impressed by God. Rather than spending the money on some personal item, they made a decision to donate $6,000 towards the cost of producing this. Well, it's actually, more, the cost was greater than that, but it was the impetus. Once we received that money, the board immediately decided, let's do it. And so there was a sense of urgency, let's get this done. And so we went about doing it. And this was even before COVID-19 had started. So here we were securing the equipment and getting ready to do live streaming. And we had literally had maybe a service or two under our belt. And all of a sudden, the services came to an end. And I am so thankful that this individual heard God's nudge and was obedient and showed generosity. And that generosity has now brought incredible spiritual and emotional blessing to so many people. Do you realize that generosity brings blessings not only to other people, but also to the person who's expressing it. And Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others 
will be refreshed. And so today we're going to resume a series of messages that I've been trying to take us through the book of Proverbs and how to live wisely or how to live a, a life that pleases God, is in a right relationship to God. And so Proverbs is part of a, a genre of the Bible that's called wisdom literature. And to live wise really means that we're walking in the fear of God. And so I want to focus on a number of Proverbs from chapter 11. So what I've chosen to do is we got all these little Proverbs now, is look at it from chapter to chapter and take kind of a theme out of each chapter. And in chapter 11, we find a number of verses that deal with the value of living generously. And so I'm going to entitle the sermon, The Generous Life. We can either respond to crisis, which we've had out of fear, and many people do do that, and so when we respond out of fear, what happens generally is we start becoming concerned about ourselves, and then we, in a situation like this where there may be a, a challenge to how much we can have, we begin to hoard what we can have. And that's generated out of a heart of fear. But then the other side of their response is that we can respond out of faith. We can actually say, no, I just really trust that God is in control of this whole situation and that we can operate in a totally different spirit, that we can say, God, we can be a channel of God's blessing and live a generous life because we know that God is in control of everything about our lives. And I believe that people who live generously have confidence, have hope, and have faith in a God who holds all of our tomorrow. And people who are generous actually reflect the heart of the most generous person in the whole planet, and that's God himself. And what we are about to discover is that generosity does not diminish us, but rather it enriches us as well as those that we bless. And so today I want to examine three reasons why we need to cultivate generosity in our lives. And the first reason is that simply it honors God. Now we may wonder how we can be a blessing to God. Isn't that interesting? Because the one that gives us everything, how in turn can I be a blessing to him? And the scriptures teach it's simple. It's seen by how I treat other people. Proverbs eleven sixteen says, a kind-hearted woman gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. And in chapter 14 of Proverbs in verse 31, it says, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So what we're seeing is generosity is one expression of kindness or love. And in the New Testament, we read that the true way to manifest our love towards God, whom we do not see, is by showing concern and kindness and love to those whom God has created in his image, those that we do see. And we have to remember that every human being has been created in the image of God, and therefore to show honor to God is, is seen by and manifested by how we treat people. Do we treat people with dignity and value? David Hubbard, the Old Testament scholar, says, so seriously does biblical faith take the doctrine of God's image in man as a gift of divine creation that acts done to a human being are as weighty as though being done to God. Scarcely any idea has more power than this to change life radically. In other words, if I believe that I am treating 
people as if I'm treating God and I have a heart for God, I have a love for God and so I see inside of every human being the image of God and I treat them as if I'm treating God this way. It changes how I'm gonna treat people. I'm gonna value people in a totally different way. And so there's a need then to show uh, kindness and love to our neighbors in more than just mere words. Words are important, we'll see that as well, but also in other ways. I think love is meeting people at their point of need. And Proverbs 3.28 says, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. In other words, when when and where we can, we ought to help people who are struggling when it's in our power to do so. We can't just say to them, well, you know, God bless you, I hope God will take care of that need for you. When you and I have it in our possession to empower and then help others. Hubbard continues to say this, most basic is the supply of staples in times of want, unemployment, or famine. I just think there's such a parallelism as to what's occurring right now. And this is not construed as rewarding bad behavior or caring for those who are slothful or lazy, whose ways throughout the book of Proverbs are constantly denounced. In wisdom literature, we find a balance. We're we're to help those who cannot help themselves, not necessarily those who don't want to help themselves. In, In other words, those who won't help themselves. So the Bible is not condoning laziness, but it is condoning, uh, challenging us to care about people who are unable to help themselves. And not only is it important to do something, the Bible also is teaching us, and God is looking at the attitude in which we're doing it. It's not just what we do, but it's how we do it and why we do it that expresses the kind of generosity God is teaching and helping us understand. Are we concerned about the dignity of the person that we are blessing? You know, blessings call uh, for mercy, not arrogance. For generosity, not miserliness. The giver's attitude is as important as what is being given. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we begin our generosity in our own family. And then we extend beyond that to the family of faith and beyond that to our, the neighbors and the people we work with and the people beyond into our world. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, he's talking to here about the church and a great issue in the early church was the, the loss of life and someone is now widowed. And it says, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn to first of all, put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. So the first step in showing generosity begins in our home. And you know, I I find it strange when people are more generous to strangers than they are to their own family members. Or they speak very kindly to a stranger but yet they speak very gruffly and insensitively to those that they live with. Generosity is not just in what I'm giving people financially, it's also in the giving of my attention, my energy, my words, my life, and how I'm gonna treat people. And it must begin in my own family. And he goes on to say in verse eight here, he says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household is denied the faith and is actually worse than an unbeliever. In other words, they're, they're, they're acting like this 
wicked person or this foolish person that Proverbs keeps bringing to our attention. So we have to minister to those who are the most vulnerable in society. And many of times, families were devastated by death, and that's even true today. And so James reminds us in the New Testament here that religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans. Those are children who have no father or mother and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Jesus also points out that when we minister to the least, we are in actuality ministering to him. Particularly in a parable, Jesus explains that by feeding, clothing, sharing our homes, and visiting with those who are unable to visit others, we are in reality doing that to him. In Matthew chapter 25, and verse 35, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Indeed, uh, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, I truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Now, John reminds us that when we demonstrate God's love to others, it's a sign that God's love is truly ruling in our hearts. And that's really wise living. Or that's, in the New Testament, wisdom is actually living in the Spirit. First John tells us this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, generosity is an expression of love. David Hubbard reminds us that our world view deeply shapes our behavior. And he says, people who believe that the whole earth and everything that fills it belongs to the Lord were not hard put to recognize that the giftedness of their lives which no matter how hard they toiled and how judiciously they spent, was still utterly dependent on God's grace. And what he's basically saying is simply this, that when you and I have extra, it's not so much that we're so smart or we're so gifted, but God's grace has given to us the things that we have. And God now looks at how we're going to handle the resources he's blessed us with. And I think that what God is looking for is instruments and vehicles to allow his spirit to work through to bring the life of God's grace to other people. So whenever we now are ministering, especially to those in need, what we're actually doing is lending to the Lord. It's interesting how he describes that. We need to see that the people we are helping, we are actually helping is the Lord himself. And I know a number of years ago, I was so transformed by an experience uh, that happened here in our own church. Years ago, before the government stepped in and tried to do more with the homeless and feeding and sheltering, 
the churches in Red Deer were actually taking care of the homeless. And so every church would sign up and we would take an evening. And in our church, we have a youth center and we had, you know, rollout mats. And people came and we had shifts and we, we took care of these people over the evening. And it probably once a week we did this. It was really kind of interesting. And we built relationships with homeless people. And uh, we got a chance to talk to them. And then uh, we got a chance to fix them a meal before they left. And I remember, you know, different ones of us would sign up for different blocks of time. And one, one night I signed up for the, uh, the one that you actually fed them in the morning. And so here I was cooking uh, a meal for these homeless people. And I had this amazing epiphany as I was doing this. I, I felt like Jesus was speaking into my spirit. And he says, you are now cooking for me. And when I looked into the face of this person, instead of seeing this homeless person, I now saw this person as if they were Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, it moved away from any sense of, you know, I'm doing something for them to the part where now I felt like I was being privileged and allowed to minister to Christ. Now, how many know that that changes things from being an obligation to a privilege. And I, I feel like when we speak about generosity, we need to move away from any sense of obligation and more of a sense that I'm doing this as a privilege and the person I'm helping, if I can see them as Christ himself, my attitude is deeply impacted by that experience. So how does God see these acts of generosity and kindnesses to those that are in need. In Proverbs 19, 17, he says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them. Who? The ones who lend for what they have done. And I believe one of the great rewards that generosity gives us is actually deliverance from a spirit of greed and covetousness. And by the way, that is a great gift to be delivered from that. Because when you are caught up with covetousness, there's always a sense that you're lacking. You're never satisfied. You always want more. And I see, especially in North America, we have so many blessings and so many good things. And yet, so many people still want more. They're never satisfied. Yet that is very contrary to the spirit in which God wants to fill our lives with. When I think about that beautiful 23rd Psalm where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And so when you and I really understand that we are being shepherded by God, he is the one who's caring for us, he's the one that's gonna provide for our lives, then you and I f have a freedom to be far more generous. It's not depending on ourselves, but we're depending on Almighty God. And I've also noticed over the years that there's a tremendous freedom living in simplicity and in contentment. That's not to say that wealth is bad, but the desire and the lack of contentment for more is what's so tragic. What's fascinating is that these ancient writers who were inspired by God as they observed how life worked drew certain conclusions, and that's what these Proverbs are. In Proverbs eleven twenty four, it says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. How many sense it's a paradox that you and I can, you know, freely give and then, you know, we actually are actually gaining more. Now, why would we gain more? Because I think God entrusts us because he sees that we're gonna be faithful with what he's giving us. And 
it's an interesting term. The word freely there, the Hebrew word is actually mespazar, which means to scatter. And Bruce Walkie says the idea here of scattering is simply distributing widely, generously, perhaps brashly, and paying little attention to where our beneficence is going. In other words, we're just like, you know, in the early days when they were planting, they didn't use the great machinery we have today. It's more of the picture of a guy carrying a bag of seeds, throwing them out, and he's throwing them indiscriminately to the ground and has no idea where the seed is landing. So here's an argument, folks, for us not only giving to people who we know are in need, but also to give in a way that we don't see the end result of where it's going. And that's, that's why I love that we have a benevolence ministry in our church where people give to it and they never see the people they're actually helping. And the people that are being helped never see who's actually giving it to them. But ultimately, they recognize that God is the source that's providing for them. And both giver and receiver are acknowledging God's blessing in their lives. You know, this is not an argument for an investment strategy, but rather it's to show us how to go about being generous and giving to others. The Apostle Paul, when discussing this idea of giving, reinforces this truth when he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, again, that agricultural term, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also gen so generously. And I know a lot of people, they take this verse and they, they're trying to figure out how can I have more. It's not about having more. It's about what am I going to do with what God is giving me? So, and it goes on to say, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I, I feel sometimes, you know, people are put under pressure. That is so wrong. God wants us to have a, a, a cheerful attitude, a generous heart that we're doing it with uh, gratitude. We're doing it happily. We're doing it because we want to do this. We want to bless people around us. Well, the second reason why we need to cultivate generosity in our lives, not only does it honor God, but it blesses other people. And God's going to give us amazing opportunities, I believe, to bless others. Have you ever considered what life is really all about? You see, the vision of our culture is towards self-sufficiency and having enough to live comfortably and enjoying our lives. Kind of, isn't that kind of, I've described it here, the way most people think. And yet, the focus there is on whom? It's on ourselves. Now, listen to what Proverbs 11, uh, 28 says here. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Here is the challenge in a culture where money is the driving force. And really, that's the idol of our North American culture. And what this Proverbs is teaching us here in 1128 is simply that no matter how much you have, eventually it'll let you down. You can't take it with you. However, those who live for a higher purpose to honor God with their lives, they're the people that are going to flourish. So we need to ask ourselves the question, why did God create us? Why did God create me? And um, if it's not about myself then, where should my focus be? And I believe the epitome of a successful life is not bringing honor to our creator and our savior. 
Are we not here to bring glory to his name with the rest of all creation? You know, you think about the created world. You know, the other day, uh, Patty was sitting in the back uh, porch and she had worship music on. We have birds in our yards and you know, they were singing, but once that worship music hit, they went to a whole new level. It was almost like they went great and they just accelerated and began singing their praises to Almighty God. It, it just seems like all of creation is designed to worship God. And yet as human beings, sometimes we're slow on the uptake. So how can I bring honor and glory to God? Well, one of the, the most profound ways is by loving and caring for what God loves and cares for the most. And by the way, you say, well, what is that? And that is his highest creation. You and I are made in the image of God. So God's highest value is for humanity. And so when you and I show a value for that which God values, we're honoring God. When we love people, we're reflecting his heart. To love and serve others is one of the highest purposes for which you and I find meaning to life. And when you consider the two great commandments in the Bible, if you could summarize the entire scriptures, Jesus did it. He said, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the only way to do that is to live it an unselfish life. Yet we find people trying to manipulate and oppress other people in order to rich themselves. But the reality is when we do that, we're only diminishing not only the other but also ourselves in the process. Proverbs eleven twenty six says, people curse the one who hoards grains, but they pray God's blessing for who is willing to sell. Now think about that for a minute. What are these hoarders doing? Well, they're trying to create an economic advantage. By hoarding, part of the economic principle is there's a shortage and therefore the cost of the goods go up. And so the person willing to sell here is considered the person that they're thanking God for and, and praying for. It, I say it's a simple law of economics, but a terrible strategy for loving others. Proverbs 14.21 says, It's a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who's kind to the needy. One of the problems of having so much is we can develop an arrogant attitude. And I've noticed that some people that have arrogant attitudes, a lot of times is because they're so richly endowed in life and they feel that they're themselves better than other people. And one of the best ways to negate that attitude or to, to address it is by us helping others in such a way that the other person can retain their dignity. Do you know it's always better to give a job than it is to give money? Because you're giving person dignity in that way. Uh, I think another thing that I really love is when ministries in some parts of the world are actually giving money as small loans so people can start little entrepreneurial businesses as kind of an investment. And even though the ministry says we may never get that money back, what they're doing is trying to give dignity and value back to this person so that they can make a living. And anytime we can do that, that is a very profound way of helping those in need. Let me look at the final reason uh, why we need to cultivate generosity in our life. If the first one, and I think the most important one in the time I spent the most was honoring God. The second is that we're here to bless others. The third is that it enriches our own lives. Rather than seeing that we're giving something away, I think we need to see that we're investing. 
into the lives of other people. And these are eternal investments. And what you need to understand is instead of going to some sort of a broker and they're managing your portfolio, what you're actually doing when you're being generous and giving is that you're allowing God to be the manager of your portfolio. How many know that's a pretty good person to be handling your, uh, your financial portfolio? Listen to what it says here in Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I have permission to tell the next story, and I actually know who the generous person is in the story. We have a a family in our church, a single mother, and she's raising a child. And it's so beautiful to see how the mother is instilling all these amazingly powerful lessons in the life of this child. And One of them is learning to be generous. And so also one of the things she has taught this child is to be responsible. So they live on a small acreage and this little guy in that family, he's selling a product from their little acreage. And he's he's already learned the value of Proverbs 11.25. So when he's about, this is a few years ago, he's about seven or eight years old and he makes his first hundred dollars. And what does he do? He hears in children's church that there's a need and he brings his $100 to give to this need. It's so beautiful. Now the ministry leader thinks, I wonder where he's gotten his $100 from. So a little bit apprehensive, goes to the mom and says, hey, listen, do you know that so-and-so wants to give $100 to this ministry? Are you aware of this? And she said, absolutely, that's his money. That's how he's, he's been earning money and he wants to give it. So... He gives the $100. Well, another staff person in our church heard about this and was so moved by the generosity of the seven-year-old that her children now, who were a lot older, were no longer playing with their multitude of Legos. She gathers up all of these Legos, I mean a ton of Legos, and gives it to this little guy. So a few days later, he's in his room talking to a little friend, and the mother overhears this conversation. He says, you have to be careful by how much you give because sometimes you get far more back than you even want. Now, I just thought that was so humorous. But since then, I know he's continued on and just uh, demonstrated tremendous generosity even as a teenager in his life. Well, we need to be assured that giving not only blesses others, but ultimately it benefits us. It says in verse chapter 11, verse 17, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Proverbs 21, 13 says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Isn't that interesting? Here's that, that principle at work. Here was somebody asking for help, and when we have a deaf ear when we could do something about it. When we are in need, crying out to God, God goes, oh, I'm just responding in like manner. And so I always say to myself, if God treats me the way I treat others, then I better take a hard look at how I'm treating others. Do you see the value of evaluating this? We need to realize this is a principle that Jesus talks about. It says, You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who uh, are indebted to us or forgive us those trespasses 
even as we forgive those who trespass against us. Why? The principle seems to be hinging on if I'm expecting God to do something for me, then I better do the same for others. In other words, I get the principle. I'm acting in that way. So if I expect God to be generous to me, I need to learn to be generous to others. If I expect God to forgive me, I need to forgive others. And so that principle is at work in all of our lives. And if you don't like the way God is treating you, then, better, then you better evaluate how you're treating other people. Isn't that amazing? If you want God to honor your life, maybe you need to be honoring other people's lives. If you want God to encourage you and to do wonderful things in your life, maybe you and I need to be investing and doing those things in the lives of others. One of the great aspects about being able to give is that we have the resources to do that. I love the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the Ephesian elders and Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, and he says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, if you've ever meditated on this, it's probably because you and I have extra. You and I have the resources necessary. That's why it's always better to give than to receive because we're not in need. But let's remember that giving isn't just about money. It's the unselfish giving of our time, our expertise, our understanding, our words of grace, our words of comfort. We can be generous in so many areas of our lives. We can speak words of affirmation. We can contact people that are lonely. Uh, We need to remind ourselves we're sowing all the time, and whatever we're sowing, we're going to reap. Proverbs 22, 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Again, I've already quoted 1917. Whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. People who are generous are never friendless. It says in Proverbs 19, 6, Many curry the favor with a ruler, and everyone is a friend to one who gives gifts. You could say, well, yeah, pastor, that makes sense. Everyone's going to hang with you because you're a generous person. But, you know, a lot of people go, well, I don't know if they're hanging with me because I'm generous or because they really like me. Well, that's not the point. Here's the point. The point is simply this, that you find out who your friends really are when you're in need because then they come along and help you in your time of difficulty. So being a generous person is simply a way of life. Instead of worrying about our resources, instead of worrying about the future, will we have enough, maybe we need to focus in and say, it's really not about me. It's about me being a vehicle, a channel, an instrument of God's blessing to other people. And it's amazing how God can bring resources into generous people's lives. He, you know, God is looking at who he can entrust with those resources that it's not just going to be about them, it's going to be about others. So the question may be upon your hearts and minds, how can I practice generosity? I think, first of all, we need to pray for those who are currently struggling at this time, maybe with some restriction in their life. Not, you know, this, this whole COVID thing has created deeper levels of need today and hardship. People have even lost their means of securing resources. There are people around us who need our help. Maybe we should be praying, God, show me who I can be generous to in giving of my time, 
giving of my encouragement, and yes, even financial assistance. So I kind of gave three areas, three thoughts, and I'm going to even put this this week in my little message to our church. But first of all, I want to encourage all of you that are struggling financially. This is a time where you may need help. Do not be so proud that you say, I'm not going to ask for any help. This is a time to come to the church and say, you know what? I need my brothers and sisters to help me through this time. And let us know. Because we have a fund called Benevolence. And if you ask, we will do what we can to help you. Number two, if you have resources that you say, you know what, I, I, I'm actually still working right now and I want to bless some of the people who maybe have lost their employment or are struggling right now and I'm going to give to the Benevolence Fund. And one of the powers of this is it's not so much face-to-face, individual-to-individual, but it's more like I'm giving to you, Lord, and I have no idea who I'm blessing. And the person who's receiving it is saying, I know this is coming from the love that God has showered in the hearts of God's people for me. And so we need to see it in that way. So, you know, give to the church's benevolence fund. And then the last thing I want to do is just commend those who a number of weeks ago, I, I made an appeal for needs in India. And within a day, all of those dollars came in. Within a day. It was amazing how generous this congregation is in meeting the needs of people in India. But now, you know, we also have another ministry that we support in Africa. And I know that there's great needs there. And so I would be remiss if we only helped one part of the world and not another part. And so I'm going to appeal to some of you that have extra resources. You know, a lot of the people in Africa, they, they, they are going from meal to meal. And so now they're in dire straits and some of them are starving. But this one ministry that we've been supporting for a long time now, and I know I know the national worker there quite well. And they are actually, and I've been in communication with them, they're saying, Pastor, we're moving all of our resources to meet the needs of the hungry. And because we're doing this, the gospel's being spread. People are seeing the love of Christ in action, and people are coming to faith in Christ. And so they said, if you can help us financially with food, we would want to continue to be a blessing during this time of emergency. And so I'm going to appeal to us as a church to do what we can And so if you want to give to that, when you are giving, if you can somehow communicate that you just put W-O-M, WOM, and that'll go to that ministry in Africa. So let me close with this last thought. So when we know, oh, sorry. So let us pray that God will help us all to live a generous life and reflect his love to others. Amen? Because if I want to be like Jesus, I mean, kind of my prayer is, Lord, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Well, Jesus goes, well, I'm the most generous person you're ever going to meet. So that tells me I got to step it up because I, I, I got a ways to go to be exactly like him. But let's pray that God would help us to show generosity and kindness with our words, with our thoughts towards others, with our actions, with our support, with our forgiveness loving our families, loving our church family, but extending beyond that into our world of need. So I'm gonna have you stand. We have a few people here in our congregation. And we're gonna pray that God would help us to live the generous life. So Father, thank you that you are so amazingly generous that you gave yourself to us so that we could have eternal life. You gave completely everything to us. 
And every day, Father, as we are living on this planet, you are supplying our need because you, Father, are a generous God. And for some of us, you're giving us extra. And as you're doing that, Father, you're allowing us, Lord, to be an instrument in your hands, to be a blessing to those around us who are hurting and who are in need and that we can show the love of Christ by supporting them and encouraging them and blessing them and doing good to them so that they might know it's not us, but it's actually you in us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and live a generous life. God bless you as you leave.